without further ado, we are talking about a little topic called reverence today, reverence. Um, and so some of you may know what this is, some of you may not, uh, but reverence is to give honor and respect to one who is due it. And uh, so basically, I have been... This is not part of a sermon series. Um, this is a solo sermon. And ba- basically what happens is in the months leading up into a sermon, um, my father will either tell us, hey, it's part of this series and you need to have this topic or it's kind of free range chicken. You know what I mean? Go, go find what you want. Um, and so this, was, this is free range chicken up in here. Um, and this is something that I have been working through in myself Um, And that's typically what I like to do when I do solo messages like this, is I do something that I've been working through. Um, And so our youth have actually heard part of this because, like I said, I've been working through this for months. Uh, But you guys are about to get the whole whole shish kebab. Actually, realistically, I probably have way too many notes. I have six pages of notes here. Um, We're going to move through it, all right? Um, and, And my hope is... This could be a sermon series, but I'm going to make it into a single sermon, all right? Um, So we are talking about reverence, and so here's my question for you. Do you guys, did you guys ever, when you were younger, or even now still, did you ever get the look from your mom, the... The, the knock it off, you know, like you're out in public, you're making a little bit too much, you're, maybe, maybe you made a joke that you weren't supposed to, something like that, and your mom just gives you the eyes of like, you better behave or else... I'm gonna make you behave. You know what I mean? Like, like, like you better stop it or I'm gonna make you stop it. Um, so I got that look all the time. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought that? Um, and you know, me being a good, good boy, I always listen to mama. You know what I mean? No, uh, at times I would see that warning, right? That warning says, stop it. You're, you're about to cross a line. You've gone too far or you're about to go too far, right? And they're trying to keep you from doing something that you shouldn't be doing. I got that look all the time when we went out and took minute, uh, missionaries out to lunch after service. And I would just be across the table and I could just see the glare in my mother's eyes, right? And uh, what I didn't want is I didn't want like my dad to have to take me into the bathroom, right? Um, <laughs> but when I got older, when I was a teenager, um, basically what, what happened was I would... I was like most teenage boys, who would have thought that? I was like most teenage boys, I like to laugh at and make inappropriate jokes. Who, who would have ever imagined that? You know what? And here's the key word, I used to do those things. Used to do those things. Never once has, a, has an inappropriate joke been laughed at in my youth group ever. You know what I mean? Um, no, you, you know how like when your toddler does something and you're like, I know I'm not supposed to laugh. Like, that was really funny, but don't laugh, you know, don't laugh, don't do that again. That's how I feel with our youth students all the time, where I'm like, that was freaking hilarious, don't do it again, but that was funny, you know what I mean? Uh, that's how I feel. So anyways, so I would do these things as a teenager, um, and I would make inappropriate jokes or whatever, and it always seemed to happen at the dinner table, always seemed to happen, and basically, my mom would give me the look, that would be my morning, and if I continued to cross that line, uh, she would always look at my dad and say, no, I have to put this in context. It's not abusive. She, she would just say, hit him. So he'd punch me in the arm. You know what I mean? Like, I was a teenage boy. I was fine. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't abusive. But he would lean over and he'd, he'd punch me. Or the nearest person by would, would punch me in the arm, right? Um, and immediately, as soon as I get punched, I would go, how dare you hit me for no reason? I have done nothing wrong. No, was that my thought process? No, I knew that I was crossing a line, right? And I, and I chose to do that. And I just have to say, uh, this isn't really a big part of this message, but I have to say, sometimes the bad things that happen to you are not because God hates you or the world hates you. It's because you make bad decisions. 
right? You make bad choices and they have bad outcomes at times. And part of maturity is realizing that my decisions have consequences. My decisions have consequences. So let's keep that in mind next time we want to blame everybody in the world for the things that we have been stupid about. Cool? Um, Anyways, all that to say, I understood that my decisions had consequences. And part of the reason why this was an issue, that I would continue to make these jokes, is because I was crossing the line and I was blurring my reverence point with my parents. My parents are my authority. Your parents are your authority. Whether or not you get along or you agree with them, they're still your authority, if you li- especially if you live in their house. And so I was understanding that I had, uh, I had a loving connection with my parents. I had the ability to joke and I had the ability to have fun and they supported me and we did all these different things. And sometimes I would blur the line between being reverent as my authority and honoring and respecting them and being dishonorable and disrespecting. Does that make sense? And so we all understand this at, at some level, right? We all understand that like you can't talk to your coworker the same way that you talk to your boss, right? We understand that. You can't talk to your friend the same way you talk to your child, right? It would make for a very messy situation. Um, you can't speak to your child the same way that you would speak to your wife there, there's div- or your spouse. There's very different nuances of how we speak and how we act with each other. And the question that I keep bringing up is, are we speaking and acting and feeling towards God the way that he deserves the respect and the reverence? Are we doing these things? Are we honoring him with our language and with our actions and with our being? Are we honoring him as the God of the creator of the heavens and the earth? Are we doing that? So today we are going to look at four times in the Bible where God gave correction or a warning to people who were crossing that line. And he said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going to do this. All right. So like I said, this is a lot. um, And... I should be able to move through it pretty, pretty easily, but we are going to kind of be jumping all around uh, today. We're going to be working through four major passages, um, and I'll kind of read occasionally, and then we'll kind of describe just to help keep everybody in the same, uh, same loop. But let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the ability to be here together in this place and worship you. Father, I pray that you would open up uh, ears to hear and hearts Um, that we would hear the things that you have to say to us. And Lord, I pray that at the end of this message, we would be more reverent than the way we walked in. So thank you, Jesus. Please be with us. Amen. Amen. Cool. So let's go ahead and get into this. So the first uh, passage that I want to bring up is, um, it is called The Law um, with Korah. And so this is in number 16 is where we see this. But so um, if you notice, there's going to be three points on every single slide that I have. The first one is, what is the thing that God is bringing in or the thing that God is correcting on? The second thing is the person. And then the third thing is, what was their issue? So right here we have God is correcting because of something happening with the law. Um, now, if you don't know the law, when we're talking about it, we're talking about the Ten Commandments, uh, the law that the Israelites had to uphold. Um, and they formed a covenant relationship with God. Moses did up on the Mount Sinai, um, formed a covenant relationship with God and said, we will adhere to your commands. 
That's what, that's what Moses said on behalf of the Israelites, right? So we will do that. So Moses and Aaron, um, they were elevated kind of above the rest of the Israelites, right? And so Korah is this guy. He did not like this. He was a Levite of the Kohathite tribe. Um, and he actually started a rebellion with a bunch of other families against Moses and Aaron. Uh, but it was really targeted at Aaron because Aaron was something called a high priest. He was... The, the, the top of the chain when it comes to um, the priests. And so basically, Korah um, was jealous and he was prideful and thought that he deserved or he should at least be equal to that of Aaron, which God gave Aaron the position. So he was overreaching and overstepping um, God's actual command. So let's go ahead and read this. Number 16, 3. This is what Korah says. You have gone too far. For all of the congregation are holy, every one of them. Now remember, the Israelites are holy. They're God's chosen people. They are a holy people. But some were elevated above others, right? The, the Levites, they were the, the priests. That's what their job. And Aaron was the, the head of the priests. Um, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So he has an issue with authority. Why do you exalt yourself? Aaron wasn't exalting himself. He had been given the position of authority. I want you guys to understand that. Korah had a problem with this. And he thought that he was exalting himself. And Aaron said, no, 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 this is all from God. And so basically he wanted, the, he wanted to, to be more. He overstepped. He thought he deserved more. And so um, Korah was actually raised in a position of authority. He actually was um, you know, in, in charge. He, clearly, if he was able to lead a rebellion, People liked him. People flocked to him. They, they agreed with the things he said. Um, he was already blessed. He was already appointed above others. Uh, but he saw the gifts of others and wanted them for himself. And so Moses actually says, fine, if you want this priesthood, go ahead and take it. You can go ahead and burn the offerings and you can have this incense. So basically what happens in Numbers 16 through, uh, sorry, 16, 18 through 19 is uh, Moses just gives it to him and says, here, here's the, here's the uh, coals and here's the incense. Go ahead and do this. Now, what's funny is, well, it's not funny, but it's like ironic more, you know what I mean? Um, so basically Aaron, he had some sons and just a few, you know, just a little bit of time before, um, Aaron's sons overstepped. I want you guys to get this. He, they overstepped and they burnt incense and offerings without the approval of God. And what did, what happened to them? Does anyone know? They died. Yes, the Lord killed Aaron's sons because they did things out of order. They were not reverent to God. They were more, they were being selfish, all right? And so there's already been a warning, but Moses says, go ahead. If that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. So that's what, um, that's what Korah and all the people with him. And here's the outcome of the unauthorized incense, right? So numbers 16, 31 through 32, right here, um, we see that, it, that the outcome was the destruction of all who rebelled. The destruction of all who rebelled. Basically what happened is, um, it's kind of funny actually, um, what God was speaking to Moses and said like basically put some distance between you and all these people. So Moses and all of his people stepped back and there was a gap. And as we see this, as soon as he was finished saying this, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their household and together, or sorry, and all those associated with Korah together with their possessions. What happened? God's wrath and judgment was poured out upon them because they were overstepping. 
They overstepped their boundaries. They were selfish, they were full of pride, um, and they were jealous of Aaron. And because of it, they overstepped and they were swallowed up by the earth, essentially. All right? Um, So what we see is God's giving a warning. Respect my authority. Respect my holiness. And Korah and the others, they ignored it. They ignored it, they they overstepped, and they broke God's law, and they were corrected for it. Um, Now, once again, the law is pretty new to the people within, you know, a few years. So this is something where God is trying to teach them a lesson. You will respect and obey my law, right? Some parents have felt that in in this world. In my house, these are my rules. Right? You guys ever had someone say that to you? Or you, maybe, maybe a teacher in my classroom, these are my rules, or, or whatever it might be, right? Um, God is laying down the law and saying, no, no, this is my law. You will obey it. God sets the tone for what he expects from this day on, all right? So let's get to our second, our second, uh, op, or our second time, uh, which is called the promised land, and it's with Achan, not Clay Achan, but Achan, uh, not Knees Achan, but Achan, not Back Achan, but Achan. Are you guys getting where, all right, what's his name? Achan, cool, all right. So Achan, and his problem was unfaithfulness. Aiken with unfaithfulness. And so Joshua 7, um, this is the passage 7-1 that we are looking at. And so basically there was a man named Aiken, and he was from the t- tribe of Judah. Now the Israelites had just entered into the promised land after being in the desert for 40 years. Uh, you know, and basically um, everybody had passed away and this new generation of Israelites were here. And um, they had just got the walls of Jericho to fall, right? We actually just sung a song about the walls of, of Jericho. And they had just gotten the walls of Jericho to fall. They were excited. But God says, everything in the city is mine. Everything should be devoted to me, which means basically burn all the goods, all the resources, everything like that. You do that in honor of me because I gave you this city. All right? So that's what God says. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regards to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi and son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of tribe Judah. By the way, I'm not a linguist. So if I mess up any of these besides my back be Achan, um, then you know, because I had to look up how to pronounce Achan. You know what I mean? Um, I, I really did. I literally looked up YouTube how to, how to pronounce Achan because I was like, I don't want to, could it be Achan? Achan? Uh, I'm done. So anyways, um, basically he took some of the stuff. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. So no one knows that Achan has taken the devoted things. No one knows that this has happened. Um, Except they go, the Israelites, after they're done raiding Jericho and and burning all these things, they go to um, a city named Ai. And so they go and they are immediately defeated. They are defeated and the judge, or, you know, all the, the leaders they are wondering, God, I thought you gave us the promised land. I thought you were with us. I thought you had said that I've already given you this land. Why are we being defeated? Don't you want us to conquer? And basically God said, no, 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 someone stole from me. Someone was unfaithful and disrespectful to me. And so what they did is they lined up all the people and then divided it out by tribe and by family and by, you know, all these different breakdowns and basically got it to the point where um, Achan is peeing his pants, standing side by side with all of his family as they're going through. No, 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 no. Yes. Achan, did you steal something? And that's when Achan says, yes, I saw a beautiful robe. I saw 200 pieces of silver and a gold bar and I took it. 
So what we see is Achan is unfaithful with the devoted things. He's unfaithful and God's anger burns against him. Um, so basically what this leads to is the death of Achan, his entire household, and the burning of everything that belonged to them. Once again, this is a warning. We are now entering into the promised land. We are entering into the land that I have given you. I've already promised it. I've already prophesied it to you. You will respect me and my things. You guys get this warning? You will respect me and my things because they are mine. So Tyndale Commentary says this. The chapter demonstrates the problem of sin in Israel's mission. It follows the account of Jericho because of the sin occurred in the context of the capture of that town. It occupies so much space, and I want you guys to listen to this, because the first breach of Israel's purity as a holy nation. This is Israel's foundation that they're trying to set here in this place. God's trying to start a new thing, and they're still messing up, and God's saying, uh-uh, we're not going to be doing that anymore. So, have you guys uh, heard about, you know, the, uh, the Ansbury revival that, that's going on? And um, actually, all, all around the world, people are claiming that these revivals are breaking out um, in Uganda and in the Dominican and different college universities all over America. And I just want to say, like, we have been praying for a movement of the Holy Spirit in our country for many years, right? We have. Whether or not you agree or believe that this is a revival by whatever definition you want to call it, God is clearly doing something in the hearts and lives of the people all over this world, correct? Am I correct? All right. So if God's doing something, he's doing something new. We have talked two times, and the next two times are going to come up, in which God has been doing something new. The first one was the law. The second one was the promised land. We're going to talk about some more. But here's my question. If God is doing something new here in America, are you a little bit worried that he's going to call you out for all the crap that you've, been putting, that you've been doing? Are you a little bit worried that you've been ignoring those warnings? Because if you're not afraid of that, then I'm going to ask you to be afraid. Not because God is some meanie head, right? He's not some jerk up in the sky who says, like, I just want to, I just want to punish Lou over here. No, no, no. He wants to correct the behavior in order to usher in something new. All right. So if we're seeing new things happen, shouldn't we also take that as a warning? We need to correct ourselves a little bit. Yeah. All right. I just want to make sure. I want to make sure we're all on the same page because the Tyndale commentary goes on to say this. This also serves as a warning to yield against future temptations. Let's take our warnings and let's uh, apply it to our future temptations. How about that? Is that cool with everybody? Yeah, let's do that. So Israelites were entering into a new land, the one that had been promised and prophesied about, and God sets the tone for what he expects in his promised land from this day on. All right, so let's go ahead and get into our third, our third passage. Now, I messed this up. It was my typo. It is not Uzziah, which is the king. Um, we're not talking about Uzziah. We are talking about Uzzah. All right. Uh, there's no I in his name. That was my fault when I typed it up. I, I did it. Um, so we are talking about the temple with Uzzah and disrespect. So if you're a youth student, you probably heard me speak about this a few months ago. Uh, this is part of the, the conversation that, that we were having in youth. But so basically the temple of the Lord wasn't always there, right? It was built during King Solomon's time. And uh, basically before that, there was a tent and there was the Ark of the Covenant that was brought with the Israelites as they would go from place to place. And so what happens is David, he's celebrating. And in this passage in 2 Samuel, um, we see, uh, 2 Samuel 6, we see that they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab. 
um, which was on a hill. All right, so then we have Uzzah and Ahio, not Ohio, but Ahio, all right? Um, son of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the Ark of God on it. So what I want you guys to understand is that they are bringing the cart with the Ark of Covenant to God. Now, here's, here's, a, here's an issue that we're about to see happen. The Ark of the Covenant was designed very specifically with specific reasons. And one of the things that it had was that it had rings on the side of the Ark for a pole to go through because it was meant to be carried. Right? The Ark of the Covenant was meant to be carried. But what did they put it on? A cart, right? A cart that was pulled by oxen. Now, look at this. Look at verse 5 right here. Um, yeah, can you go to the next slide for me? So David and all of Israel... Oh, hold on. David and all of Israel were celebrating with all of their might before the Lord. There we go. They were celebrating with all of their might before the Lord, with all these instruments. Is it wrong that they were celebrating before the Lord? No, do you think they might have even had the right intention? Yeah. The problem was, is David, as the king, was allowing some sort of brain fart to go on. I don't even know what was happening, right? But he allowed for the Ark of the Covenant to be put on a cart. And so basically, short story, or long story short, um, what happens is, as they're going, they're all celebrating, you know, whatever, and the oxen stumbles, the cart goes to the side and Uzzah reaches out to try and brace the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the reason why this is an issue is because you had to be consecrated and committed. Um, you had to be fully cleaned. You had to do all these things before you were able to handle the Ark. It was a specific job for specific people. Um, and Uzzah was not, he was not committed or consecrated yet. And so basically what we see is Uzzah reach out and touch the Ark in order to try and keep it balanced. Once again, do you think that his intentions were bad? No, he was, he was trying to keep the Ark of the Covenant out of the dirt and out of the dust. The problem was is that he was disrespectful to the holiness and the presence of God. So he had the right intention, but he still did it wrong. He was still wrong. And so what happens is God strikes him dead. Now, this puts fear into the hearts of all who are around. And once again, I said, I think David had the right intention with while he, he was praising, he was singing, but... He allowed his intimacy with God, he allowed his privilege with God um, to basically be his ignorance into the presence of God. He was privileged, and it gave him ignorance, and he was undisciplined with it. He was unfaithful with it. Or sorry, he was disrespectful is actually the best way to say this. So... Um, I had a friend growing up, and they, I'm not going to say anything around it, but they're not in this room or whatever, but basically I had a friend growing up who they had a grandpa who was in very high authority, very high authority, and they always pulled out the, well, my grandpa card, right? And I'm talking high authority as in, like, the teachers knew who he was, the principal knew who he was, like, this, this kind of combination. Every single police officer knew who he was, right? And... Basically, he would always say, like, well, let me just call my grandpa. Let me do this to my grandpa. Let me la, la, la. It was always grandpa, grandpa, grandpa. Whenever he was getting in trouble, I'll just call my grandpa. I'll just talk to my grandpa. And what he was doing is he was abusing the authority of his privilege. He was abusing the authority of his privilege. And what I wonder over and over and over again is, do we allow our privilege 
with God, right? Jesus is full of mercy and he's full of grace and he's, he's, he's abundant with what he gives to us. All we have to do is pray and ask and he forgives us. Do we, do we abuse that? Does that take away from our fear because we think, oh, I'm good, I'm clean. Or maybe you think, all right, I will never do it again. You guys ever make that promise before? Jesus, I will never do it again. And then a few weeks later, that feeling kind of drops down and then you do that same sin again. You, you do that same wrong thing again. And we allow our privilege to become disrespect. And once again, I don't think that legalism is something that God is like, put, or something that Jesus pushes on us. Like, do we have to wear a suit and tie? Do we have to like, you know, fold our hands, bow our head, close our eyes, get down on our face every single time we pray to God. No, part of, part of the intimacy of a relationship with Jesus is the fact that we can pray at any point at any time, right? We can connect with God at any point, which is really cool. It's awesome. But shouldn't we some of the time honor God and respect God the way that he deserves to be respected? Shouldn't we do that sometimes? Shouldn't sometimes we don't care about who's around? or who's watching us? Shouldn't we sometimes watch our words and our actions? And you know what? Here's the thing. We're going to mess up. It's going to happen. But we should be reverent as often as we can, as often as we're able, as often. We should discipline ourselves to be reverent. We shouldn't just do it when it comes across or, you know, when it comes around. We should be reverent all the time to the best of our abilities. Um, yeah, like, I'm just trying to get the point across to you guys that, like, when you use the Lord's name in vain, when you, when you dishonor your body or dishonor someone else's body, right? So, I don't know, I've already called you out, Lou. I'm trying to see someone else over here. All right, I got David. If I walked up to David Smith and I punched him in the face, am I honoring his body? No, I'm not. Here's the thing. 1 Corinthians 6 says that our bodies are part of Christ. So when I disrespect David, am I disrespecting God? Yes. All right? So let's honor the way that we approach each other. Let's also honor ourselves with the way that, that we eat, with the way that we drink, with the way that we talk, with the way we act. Let's honor God with the way we treat ourselves. Let's also honor the way that we treat other people. That, that person that you're having sex with, that you're not inside a marriage covenant with, that's an issue. You're dishonoring them. You're dishonoring yourself, right? That, that thing that you're looking at late at night on your phone, you're dishonoring yourself, which is dishonoring God. You're disrespecting God's body. And what I want you guys to understand is that we need to be a mindset. We don't have a culture of reverence here. We do not. If you look at most other like family-based cultures, if you look at the Israelites, if you look at Japanese culture, they actually have built-in respect into their culture. It's part of who they are, right? Um, they have, uh, Japanese specifically, they have, they have names that follow the person's name in order to say like, you are higher than me or you are lower than me or you are equal. Um, they have like extra names that go with that because they have it built into their society. We don't have that built-in, but we need to learn it. We need to learn it. So let's not dishonor God. And uh, the funny thing is, is that this event caused so much fear of the Lord and David that he refused to take the Ark of the Covenant into the city. 
He refused to do it. Basically, it went to another family, and they were blessed for, I think it was three months. Um, they were blessed for three months. Their cattle had high reproduction. They were, they were fruitful, um, all these things. And David was like, okay, I think the wrath of God is, is cool. Let's go ahead and bring the Ark of the Covenant back into the city of David. Um, and so this is where we get, this is where we get 2 Samuel 6, 13 through 15. When those who were, what? When those who were what? Carrying. How did they take it in the first time? On a cart. Do you think David learned his lesson? Yeah, he absolutely did. They were carrying it now. He was being reverent. He was being respectful. All right. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David danced before the Lord with all of his might. So this is basically like his undergarments, right? He was near nakedness, is pretty much how it's described, near nakedness with his linen ephod. It was, it was his undergarments, all right, which would have been like a long sheet. Basically, that is not a way that a king would behave. And uh, his wife, who was, um, who was Saul's daughter, um, she calls him out for it. She yells at him. She, she gives him the eyes, right? Uh, the, the angry eyes of knock it off, but he doesn't care. I think, of, I think of David here, like I think of my daughter, all right? My daughter, she does not care, right? She will have her diaper on. Maybe we're like trying to change her and she'll run away. And she got her belly just poofed out. She doesn't suck it in. She doesn't do nothing. She just... <laughs> Right? You know, she, she puts it out. She puts her arms behind her, right? Because she doesn't care about the opinions of the people around her. She, that's not a thing in her brain, right? She's just doing what comes naturally to her. She's not ashamed of her poochy belly. I think it's freaking adorable. You know what I mean? It's awesome. But she does not care. And this is where we get the famous line from David, I will become even more undignified than this. Why will he become even more undignified than this? Because he got a healthy sense of respect and fear installed in him. He's going to respect God because he fears God and he loves God. He's not going to allow his intimacy to overstep the boundaries that God has put in place. So how did he go from disrespecting and fearing God? He heeded the warning of the Lord and he changed his ways. That's called repentance. He heeded the warning of God. Not so long after this, the temple of the Lord is built under Solomon, and the Israelites were entering into this new era of having a temple. And what we see is um, in Matthew, so Matthew, Mark, and John, I think it is. Actually, I think all four Gospels talk about Jesus at the, in the temple. Um, basically, the Israelites are disrespecting God's temple. They're disrespecting God's holy place. And so we you know, braids his, he, his corded whip and he goes in, he flips tables and he's angry. And he's not angry because they're doing stupid things in the temple. He's kind of angry about that. But he's angry because they're disrespecting and dishonoring the presence of God in his temple. And so what we see is once again, Jesus comes in and he is correcting in the very same way he's correcting in the way that God corrected the Israelites a few hundred years before. So God sets a tone for what he expects through the death of Uzzah. And he says, you will not disrespect me. All right, let's go ahead and get to our fourth point, um, which is the fourth 
um, segment that I want to talk about, which is called the church. So this happens with Ananias and Sapphira. This happens in, um, under the new covenant, right? So Jesus has already passed. He's already created a new, a new covenant. Once again, we're talking about newness every single time. We've talked about uh, the promised land. We've talked about the law, which was new. We've talked about the temple, which would be new. And we're talking about Ananias, which or sorry, we're talking about the church, which is new. And I firmly believe that one of the main reasons why we mess up so often here, why we're so willing to give into sin, is because we don't have a healthy fear of the Lord. I've talked about this a little bit already, but we don't have a healthy fear of the Lord. We're not afraid of the repercussions. If you set, let's say, let's say you have a 16-year-old and they start driving, right? If you set a 9 p.m. curfew on weekdays and a 10 p.m. curfew on weekends, and the first day that they go out, or the second day, or within the first week, and they come home on a Wednesday night at 11 o'clock, and you do nothing, you give no punishment, you give no discipline, you don't do anything, that standard is set in that child's head, right? That, chi- that child will think, oh, I can now get away with this more often because they didn't discipline me the first time. Part of, it sucks, it really does suck, but I think the worst, I just talked to a parent about this not too long ago, I feel like parents have to discipline themselves more than they have to discipline their children. Like, it is, it, it stinks. It is a terrible role that I have to be more disciplined with myself because I, I want you to be obedient and, and be raised into a mature adult, right? So anyways, we need to have a healthy fear of the repercussions of God. So let's look at a couple who clearly did not fear the judgment of God. Acts 5, 1 through 2 says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Now, what I want you guys to understand is this is a time in the church when um, basically people were selling their, the things that they owned, their possessions, they were selling them, and they were giving them to the church, and they were giving them to the poor, right? So this is like... They, they're doing this in line with other people. It wasn't just some random thing. Like a lot of people were doing this in the church and they were almost like sharing assets together, pretty much. They were providing for each other. They were loving on one another. And so uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they do this. They sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So this couple sells land, land that's theirs, property that's theirs. I want you guys to understand the property is already theirs. The money that they sell, do they have a right to that money? Yes. yes. Do they have a right to give to the church as much of that money as they want? Yes. yes. Why lie and say that this is everything? Amen. Why lie? It doesn't make sense to me. And Peter, he doesn't make sense either, right? So Ananias is then asked point blank, is this all of the money you have earned? And out of greed, ignorance, pride, or just plain stupidity, Ananias lies and says yes, all right? Um, He is then struck dead and carried out of the room. The crazy part is, like I said, Peter is confused. He's, He's befuddled. I love that word right now. He is befuddled. He says, wasn't the property yours? Wasn't all the money that you earned when selling the property? Why lie? Why not just keep 10% for yourself and say, no, it's only 90%. I I needed the other 10% to do something. Why not say that? There's something within us that that makes us want to to lie, um, especially if we're unafraid of the consequences. So, for example, I have a sister. I have two sisters. I won't say which one. But one of them pooped their pants when they were younger. Actually, it was like two two days ago. Um, No, I'm just (laughs) 
Now, so one of them pooped their pants and they were ashamed. So what did they do? They tried to hide their poop. They grabbed their poop and they ended up smearing it all over the walls, over their bed, all over the floor, all that kind of stuff, right? And they were trying to hide their poop, all right? Um, the issue is, is there's just a poop trail, you know, where, wherever they went. Um, but what we see is like, do you think my parents would have been upset if they would have come up and said, mom, I, I pooped my pants? I think they probably would have been upset when you're in the middle of potty training, right? But there's a big difference between doing that and then lying and trying to hide that, that, that thing that you did wrong. Does that make sense, everybody? So like, if they would have been honest about how they were kind of feeling a little greedy, I think it would have been a totally different outcome. But instead, they're, you know, Ananias is struck dead. Then Sapphira comes in and does the exact same thing. And this is a powerful statement out of Peter in Acts 5.9. How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. That is a strong statement. So right then, Sapphira, she is struck down. She's dead. All right. And afterwards, I think this is big, a great fear sees the whole church and all who heard about its events. A great fear sees them. Once again, this is a warning. Do not cross me. Do not lie. Do not be dishonest. Do not be disrespectful. And be afraid. It is healthy to fear the repercussions of our actions. I'm looking at you all today. It is healthy for you to fear the repercussions of your actions when it comes to the wrath of God. He is the God who created the heavens and the earth. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And you would be not very intelligent if you thought, I can handle it. Amen. Right? Let's take his correction and let's do something with it. So, oh yeah, I, have to, I do have to say this. I think God is making a very big statement with this story as well, that this may be a new covenant under Jesus, but I'm still the same God. This may be a new covenant, but I'm still the same God. The same God who, who disciplined uh, Achan, I'm still him. And so let's, let's keep in mind that the God of this, the God of the New Testament church is still the same God of our church here today. So in conclusion, right? What are you doing right now that's irreverent towards God? What are you doing that's irreverent towards God? Are you full of jealousy and pride like Korah? Are you unfaithful like Achan? Are you allowing your privilege to become disrespect like Uzzah? Are you afraid, or sorry, are you unafraid of the strength and power of God? I'm not just calling you guys out. I'm, I'm dealing and I deal with this on a regular basis myself. Do I have a healthy fear of the Lord? Am I being reverent towards the Lord? Um, I love this story, but it is basically there's a pastor talking to this guy and the guy is venting and going through all these things that he's dealing with and all these issues and yada, yada, and yada, yada, and yada, yada. He's going and finally the pastor just stops him and just says, why are you constantly dealing with these cobwebs when you can just kill the spider? Why are you always dealing with the cobwebs when you can just use a shoe right on that spider and not have to deal with the cobwebs anymore? What cobwebs are you guys dealing with and why aren't you killing the spider? That's my question for you today. Put God above all else. Honor him, respect him, and praise him. Like I said, this is called repentance. To rearrange your entire way of thinking, feeling, and being in order to turn from what is wrong. So what we're going to do is the band's going to come out. Um, I think they're back there somewhere. But band is going to come out and we have some time here. 
we are going to spend some time worshiping and praising and asking for repentant, or, and, and repenting to God and asking for forgiveness for the things that we've done. Let's not walk out of this room the same people that we walked in. Let's kill the spider. Is that cool with everybody? Yeah? All right, so let's go ahead and let's stand up on your feet, and we are going to worship and praise God like no one else is watching, all right?